Hello everyone, this is Sunny, Sunny Goklani, and um, I've been meaning to do podcasts since a long time, but here it is. We're starting a podcast series. Sunny Point, that's what we're calling it. So, usually, if there is a podcast series or a channel, there's always a theme. For example... It could be peaceful meditation, self-reflection, investing, finance, sports, you can name it. But, and I've wanted to create different things that I wanted to contribute in different segments and different channels, but it's getting too complicated. So we're giving it this name. It's called the Sign Point Podcast. It's everything that I have to contribute and want to say and share with you guys. And this is one channel which would have different themes, different, different episodes, but that's how we'll do it. This one is themed on investing. So, welcome to the episode number one. It's Camping World Holdings. Is it a good buy right now? So, um, in the investing theme, we'll be talking about different things. Sometimes I'll talk about markets in general, market directions, macro, micro, sectors, um, personal finance things, sector allocation, portfolio allocation, portfolio strategy, individual companies, uh, what I'm doing, what I'm buying, what I'm selling, what I'm recommending, and a bunch of stuff. In this episode, we're focusing on a company, a single company, and we're evaluating what the company is all about, what does it do, what is its business model, and um, what are the valuations it trades at, should we buy it, what do I recommend. What am I doing myself? I've never recommend anything that I'm not doing myself. So right now, today, we're talking about Camping World Holdings. Um, just an outline of what we'll cover in this podcast. First of all, I'll tell you about how I came to know about this company, as in how did I, how was I introduced to this company? And then right after that, we'll go to who the CEO is, what the management is like, and what the business model is like. Um, what does it do? How does it generate revenue? How does it generate profits? Um, what is its key uh, operational performance looking like over the last four or five years? What is its margin performance? After which we'll understand, okay, this is the business. These are the guys who run it. This is what the business is all about. This is what it does. This is how it generates sales and revenues and profits. But what is its competitive position? How strong in the market um, is the company? What is the strength of the business model? And what are the risks to the business model? Once we understand that, there would be an interim summary of the whole business, after which we'll get into really current recent events, which is like, how is the company doing right now? What is the most current quarter and uh, performance in 2018? And what are the valuations? How does it trade? And should you buy it, hold it, sell it with my recommendation? It's always interesting on how we're introduced to companies. For example, very consumer-facing companies are very obvious. Um, if you go and drink Starbucks every day, if you use an Apple uh, phone every day, if you drive a GM or a Ford car every day, it's very easy to actually start to know about the company and have a feel about how is it doing, what does it do. If you go a little bit deeper in a more, a little bit more complex way or specialized way, it could be if you're working in a company and using an SAP product uh, or you're working with an enterprise software and you you know the company of what it does through what you do in your line of work or because you have friends who do something in a certain industry or a sector. 
So it's always interesting how you're introduced to the company. And it also tells you about your initial feelings about what the business actually does. And as, as you research the company, you might find out something different. Um, and the whole process, I think, is based on trying to reduce bias and improve objectivity as you go along this process. Talking about Camping World Holdings today, it's very... Um, so in, in my experience in general, the way I taught or um, stumble upon the companies other than when I'm a consumer itself is through screens. Many times I apply some screens and look at what company is at a certain growth rate in a certain industry at a certain valuation. Um, and I would pick those and study those companies. Sometimes I would pick companies when somebody else recommends it to just understand my view on that recommendation. And um, many themes that would introduce me to different things, which I would get into. Sometimes I'm, I would also discover companies through competition. I like a company, for example. I don't like its valuation, but I like the industry when I research it and I want to know how its competition is doing. But this case, Camping World Holdings, it's a different kind of introduction. I actually came to know about this company through Marcus Limonis. Uh, if you know, if you've been watching the show The Profit on CNBC, uh, he's the host and it's a reality show where it, it, it's about saving or turning around small businesses and Marcus Lumotis is the guy who like goes in, studies the business, um, helps, puts its own money and come up with a turnaround plan and helps the company um, turn around and do well. So this is how actually uh, I was running this um, line of thought and I was interested in knowing I, I like that guy I see him he's pretty genuine he seems pretty genuine very focused on details on profitability he's very strict where he used to be like he should be and very lenient on uh, or very focused and very uh, lenient at the same time on different things uh, I found it very reasonable his approach and I wanted to know if he actually runs a business himself that I could invest in and that's how I came to know about Camping World Holdings that he's a CEO of Camping World Holdings and I wanted to know more about the company um, and to see if I can invest alongside him. So that's how I was introduced to the company, I read more about him and his involvement involvement with Camping World to make sure he's full-time involved because he does a lot of things including the reality show and um, it seems like he has it on the hill, on the helm, he's on the helm, he's been running it as a public company for uh, a couple of years now but even before that and he seems like he has a pretty strong hold on the company and I wanted to know more about what the business model is because frankly I've never heard about Camping World Holdings before um, which I found out would be common if you had not been living an RV lifestyle because all the company is about at this point majorly is RVs which is recreational vehicles which is like toyables or motor driven vehicles which you um, attach to your vehicle or buy a new RV and then go camping and I've never been an RV user myself. I've never even had a friend who truly lived the RV lifestyle. And yes, I've never actually been on a camping vacation so that used an RV. So I'm actually as distant as I can be from the business as a consumer product, uh, as a as a, pro a consumer of the product. So I'd never heard about it. This is the way I heard about it. And then I started to know what the company is about. I read its 10Qs, 10Ks, different articles on Seeking Alpha, on public websites on different investing websites and this is my summary of what the company is about. Let's start with how the company says what it does in one sentence. Of course these sentences are very long sentences 
and then I'll explain you in my own words what I thought about what the company does. And of course, if you're an RV user, if you've dealt and own uh, an RV and dealt with its maintenance and servicing, you might know it better. But this is what the company says it does. Camping World Holdings provides a comprehensive portfolio of plants, services, and resources to RV enthusiasts that they would need to operate, maintain, and protect their RVs. Okay, so that's the sentence of what company says it does. Now let me explain you from my understanding of what the company does. Basically, it sells you the vehicle itself, the RVs, it's an RV dealer, and it also sells you everything else that you would ever need to maintain an RV lifestyle using that RV. For example, once you got the RV, what you would need, you, you might need to customize it, you might need to add some parts, you might need to add some capabilities, then you might need insurance, you might need financing for the vehicle, you might need roadside assistance, you might need various uh, casualty insurance, you might need um, a network of different people who use that RVs, you might need travel protection, you might need um, various other uh, repairs, uh, say you own an RV for 10 years, 15 years along the way, you might need repair plans, uh, spare parts, if you do it yourself, you might need maintenance services. So basically, the company tends to solve everything that you might need in your RV lifestyle, including buying the vehicle and servicing it. So about three-fourths of the revenue of the company is by selling RVs. So three-fourths is products, one-fourth is services. The three-fourths is divided into two parts, which is new and um, used sales vehicles. So it doesn't only sell new RVs, but it also has a market for uh, used RVs which is something like CarMax. So new vehicles would be many auto dealers, which you can, uh, which sell only new vehicles. And then something like CarMax, who, so you, who buys from you as well as sells the used marketplace of cars. So it, it does the same thing for RVs. So three-fourths of the company is about products, one-fourth is about services. But if you, if you try to understand what the company tries to put itself as, it's that it's not just not a dealer. It's a dealer which also gives you everything about you might need in an RV lifestyle. So what it's trying to say is if you, if the trend of RVs that we've seen grown over time grows, this company will keep growing and it will, the services part is lucrative because it is um, a bit more predictable and a bit more like so the purchase is one time thing, but service is something the consumers need for a long time. So, that's what the company says it does, and I think what it does. And then it divides itself into two segments. One is the Good Sam Club, and one is Camping World. Good Sam Club is basically an organization. It's a member organization, which is not really selling anything by itself, except those plans. So no products, just services, uh, which everything that we talked about, we said about vehicle contracts, emergency assistance, financing, refinancing, and um, all the membership events and consumer shows, trip plannings, all those things are a part of services that or plans that Good Sam offers. Now, Good Sam uh, is an RV organization which has 1.8 million members, which sounds not too fancy in terms of when we look at like the number of people, population of US is about um, greater than 330 million. But then it's also like RV is a very niche industry and a niche segment of people use RVs. Um, it's estimated that about 9 million households uh, have or live or go once a year on an RV lifestyle kind of vacation. And in that scenario, 1.8 million members is a handsome amount. So 
it's a pretty strong organization with a niche thing. Uh, the community that belongs to that is kind of one of the biggest communities. The company itself says it's the world's biggest RV community, but we don't know for sure about that. But the thing is, it's not growing pretty fast. The membership barely grows and niches up a little bit every year. And um, But I think it's a pretty strong organization to support the company, the second part of the company, which is Camping World. Now, Camping World is what we really see in out the real world, which sells RVs, which is a dealer location. So it has 140 locations in 36 states. It um, it acts as a seller as well as reseller of the vehicles, and it also provides on-site repair and maintenance of the vehicles. Now, this is when you walk by, or sorry, when you drive by the highways, when you see on-site at the Camping World locations, this is the arm of the company that actually sells things other than plants. And what the company really believes is their competitive advantage is the collective database. So um, we all know this is a very data-backed uh, data age, and any company who has better data on the consumers uh, eventually can target and win over customers better and serve them better with more personalized, customized needs at times when they need it. So again, Marcus being um, a smart guy, of course, and living with the age, looks at this collective database of all the details they have about the membership of Good Sam Club and then what the people buy in Camping World. Um, that collective database to, um, has generated over 15 million unique RV contacts, which which Marcus and the management believes that they can resell or cross-sell their offerings much better than anyone else can do in the industry uh, using data analytic capabilities. My take on this is, while this sounds really good and sounds really handsome strategy, um, like, always the question is, what happens after Marcus? Like, what if another guy comes in uh, some years later who is, let's say, a veteran in this industry, 20, 30 years old experience, but he doesn't really have that um, forward-looking strategy about how to use data and target data. So I think uh, rather than just taking the word, we should always follow how useful targeting is the company actually doing over time. Um, I would measure it over how many active transactions were generated on a per database entry. In my calculation in 2017, the rate was 25%, as in the company on a whole generated 3.7 million transactions, and they say they have about 15 million contacts in their membership database, in their collective database. So over time, I would like to see more transactions per database entry, which would tell me how effectively they're targeting. And so this is like major two prongs of this company. Uh, Good Sam and Camping World, where Camping World does more of this, most of the sales, and uh, Good Sam provides most of the plans. But there's also a third uh, leg to this tool, kind of, and which is outdoor and active sports retail, which is recent, uh, as not a very big part of the company now, but it's a direction where the company wants to go. So all of the acquisitions, if you can read in their 2017, 2018, namely Ganders Mountains, Active Sports, WH2, Uncle Dan's Outfitters and Erevon Mountain Outfitters. All these acquisitions over the last two years are in this area of outdoor and active sports retail. So what the company is trying to do is trying to become everything outdoors. So I guess the management realizes that selling new vehicles like dealerships is not really as lucrative as an industry, um, not even on gross margins and not even on the predictability of cycles. On So for example, if the economy goes bad, if the RV sales fall, um, it's not Camping World's fault, but then it will sell less RVs or resell less RVs. And what the company wants to do is diversify into new areas, which is um, what people would continue to want and have. So 
it's trying to diversify a little bit from RVs and trying to get into outdoor and active sports. And the areas that it lists it wants to get into and cater to, in addition to RV lifestyle um, consumers, is that of people who do enjoy hunting, fishing, boating, non-RV camping, biking, snow skiing, snowboarding, sailboarding, skateboarding, and other outboard, outdoor active sports and activities. I think it might want to say that all of those outdoor active sports might need um, many of the common gear and many of the people who might do those things also might consider or lifestyle wise be closer to RVs. So if they can find uh, many more uh, database of people who are doing different things in outdoors and can cross sell things and try to look uh, like try to lure them into RV lifestyle or use RV lifestyle people because they do like to go outdoors so they might be people who are doing not only RV camping but they might also be on the side doing other sports that they can cater to so what they want is those customers not to go anywhere else for the different needs and provide them the same thing under one roof and also get under other customers who's doing different sports and selling them um, the RV lifestyle uh, I don't know myself on how on how successful the strategy might become and in general retail is not as lucrative as an industry now but but it's good for diversification and let's see how the company executes on these it's too early to say is what i'm saying on these this third leg of the stool success we know good sam's club has been around for a long very long time camping world has been doing well but this third leg is something to watch um, if we put the three together on a whole picture, it's always good to understand which line of the business generates how much of the revenues and profits for the whole company. If we look at 2017 profit and loss statements, uh, first of all, starting with the sales, uh, the revenues, uh, let's start with the revenues. The whole picture, uh, it generated $4.28 billion of revenue in U.S. dollars in December at the end of the fiscal year in 2017. Now, I want to break it into what was this revenue generated from for you to understand what part of the company is how much now 57 percent of the sales of the entire 4.28 billion were new rvs about 16 percent was used rvs to put them together it's about three-fourths to 75 percent right so that's why i said at the very start um about three-fourths of the company is basically selling rvs which is new 57 percent and about 16 percent used the rest 25 percent if you break that out the 15% is parts and services, so this would be repairs, uh, repair parts, and providing repair services. 7.7%, about 8% is finance and insurance, so financing the vehicle and providing insurance. And the rest 5% is consumer services and plans. Now, this is what is considered Good Sam's, the Good Sam Club plans and services. So if you look at it, you, when you heard there were three parts to the business, you were like, which part is bigger, which part is not so efficient, or which part is not as reflective of what the company does? The answer to that question is the Good Sam Club only forms 5% of the company. That's about it. It's a very strong organization, 1.8 million members strong, and might generate a lot of help in the um, in the combined database but as far as revenues go it's just five percent comes from good sams the rest of um all the revenues come under camping world right now when it says parts services and others the 15 percent we talked about in others they consider the outdoor retail it's in others because it's a really small category right now over time it might grow but for now it's good to understand that 95 percent of the company is basically camping world 5% is good sam and in that 
about three fourths of the company or a little bit more than that is sale of vehicles new and used and the rest of it is plans services finance and insurance um, now this is about revenue when you understand about how much come how much money the company makes it's also understand uh, important to understand the division between the different units of businesses because one business might be selling um, might be just a small percentage of the revenue might but it might have a really high margin business that might contribute much better to the profits and vice versa so if you look at the margin performance and see what business generates what margin of the business on gross margins and what buy of the profit it generates the five percent that we talked about the good sam club it actually has a gross margin of 58 percent which is really good so it is a high margin business as we said it provides plans and uh, something like roadside assistance and membership plans which as we talked about before are high margin and more predictable businesses recurring revenues which might come over years and years of owning an RV and I think that's a really good business with really good gross margins even though the revenue contribution is low I would really like that best of the business to grow more and have more renewal rates so for example now um, the user base who uses consumer plants and services they have a retention rate above 65 to 70 percent which is stable over the years but I would like to see it more I would like to see as many people who are using their plants finding more value in that plants finding it a product they would definitely need and continue to renew it a higher retention rate would give me more confidence that if it's the next downturn if the economy goes down um, the consumers will still continue their plan and not just abandon the ship if they're doing it 65 to 70 percent now maybe in a bad economy they might go below 50 percent which is not good so really good margin performance on that business even though the contribution is small i would like to see more retention in that business if we go to the retail part um as we said the 75 percent that is selling rvs the 57 percent which was selling new rvs the gross margin is 14 percent this is the lowest margin business the company owns right now and the used margin the used rv business has a margin of gross margin of 24 percent so used bus, um, rv businesses and like any other carmax or any other resale dealer the efficiency of them is more on how cheap they can buy how better value proposition they can provide for a new seller to come in and believe what they're selling so that they can get a premium over that price so the used ones have a little bit more margin than the new vehicles which have the least margin if you look at the other sides of the business i think the most profitable is the eight percent finance and insurance that we talked about the way the company recognizes this revenues 100% of the revenues in finance and insurance falls to the uh, falls to the bottom line. So it's a 100% gross margin business. This is what I would like to see more of. Um, I would like to see finance and insurance being a bigger percentage of every new vehicle that is sold, which is kind of telling us how more is Camping World convincing new customers to finance the vehicle through them for every RV they sell. So, for example, this quarter it was an over like highest ever rate of 12%, the finance and insurance revenue per the unit of vehicle sold times the average selling price. Uh, I would like to see this number grow, which would tell us that they're targeting and trying to convince customers better. The, word, the, the, the bad side of that could be we don't want the company to oversell to customers because over time that might lead to a lesser brand loyalty, which is really important because we want the membership base to grow as well so that the customers stick around. So... I would want the company to grow finance and insurance business maybe 
add a little less margin would be okay, but I would like to, um, for it to not cannibalize the intention of people to stay in that club. So that is my in, in my understanding of the different parts of the businesses, how much revenue they generate, how much profit they generate. And uh, those were my key takeaways. If we look at the brief history of operational performance now, so the company hasn't been public in for a very long time. The company came with an IPO in 2016 and provided its, um, so we have its financial data from 2013. So we're comparing the evolution of the company from 2013 to 2017 on the whole, um, the total revenues for the company in 2013 were 2.3 billion and now they are 4.28 in 2017 so the company has almost grown its revenues like doubled its revenues 85 percent in the last four years which is a really impressive feat of course the economy has been good the tailwinds have been there the rv market is growing everything is good so they shouldn't have an excuse of not growing but they have still grown really well if we look at buying different business lines the good SAM part of the business has grown 18% over the, over the last four years, which is not so good because it's not 18% compounded annually. It is total 18%. So the consumer service plans business that was worth about $166 million in sales in 2013 and now is generating $195. The trend has been consistently higher. So there have been no volatility, but I would like to see it uh, grow faster. The fastest business has grown is like more than doubled is other than the finance and insurance is the sale of new vehicles. So as we can see, the, the sale of RVs has been really, really strong over the last um, five, seven years. And so there's a really tailwind going on there, but the company has still managed to get new dealers under the, under their umbrella and increase their sales really fast. So the sale of RVs, in 2013 was one mil oh, sorry one billion dollars and in 2017 it's grown to 2.4 billion dollars so that is more than uh, 135 percent increase that's really good um, parts and services have grown 46 percent so not as fast as the new sales because if you buy new rvs of course you'll have some years maybe till you need more maintenance and more services and more uh, repairs so I think that might have a tailwind in coming years because the sale of RVs has gone up in a lot in last years. But what I think is as they age in general, they would require more maintenance. Now, whether Camping World can occupy more part of it, we don't know, but it can. Now, the fastest growing part of the business is finance and insurance, which was a $100 million business in 2013, and now it's about $332 million. This is a really good thing because that was, as we talked about, a 100% margin business. And that growing faster than the whole sale of RV business is a really good thing. It means that the percentage of FNI, which is finance and insurance revenue, as a percentage of total vehicle revenue is increasing over time. And now as the very recent quarter, it reached 12.2%. So that's a very, very, very strong sign. And we would like it to see even higher, um, which would tell us the operational excellence of efficiency of the guys selling those services. But as we said before, we wouldn't like it, like them to oversell. But so overall, uh, summing this part up of their performance over the last four years, consumer services plans just grown 18%. I would like that to grow more, but the focus on finance and insurance is really good. So they're focusing on the lines of the business lines that are most profiting. And they're also riding on the tailwind of increasing RV sales. So in case bad times come, their new vehicle sales might dip um, used 
they might dip but not that much because maybe the people who are not able to buy the new ones are going and buying the ones that are used and the parts and services might have a better predictability because once you have owned an rv you might need to service it even if the economy is not good because you need still need to maintain it and so it's about the consumer services and plans which so this whole discussion brings us to the fact of cyclicality which is something that we should definitely talk about so when we look at many companies like um let's say steel oil and gas or any commodity company or any company that is very sensitive to the economy going up and down um they all follow their own cycles of ups and downs and those are called the cyclical companies uh now cyclical companies it's very important to understand whenever you invest, whenever you get in, what part of the cycle you're getting in. Is it too late? Is it too early? If it's too early, you're riding the ride up. If it's too late, if you're at the going at the getting at the peak, um, it might be really dangerous. For example, if you get into camping world now, and if the RV sales drop, and if the economy goes down, people not buying RVs. It's after all the luxury purchase. It's not something you need every day to live or survive. So. It's a cyclical business. It's really important to understand. And that's one reason why the valuations that we're about to talk in the part ahead um, are still low for any cyclical business in general and this one as well. So that is one really a risk that is to be understood that we don't know the new and used RV vehicle sales that might continue to grow at the clip that they've grown over the past four years and carry a lot of risk. And when we try to understand how can this business be better for our own predictability? Um, we would like to see the more recurring business, more predictable businesses, more uh, diverse businesses forming a more part of the revenue. So for example, we would like to see more GoodSam uh, revenues, which would be aided by more members in GoodSam's club. We would like to see more and better execution of the outdoor retail plans. And we would like to see more percentage of finance and insurance in the business rather than new sales of RVs, which is still about 57% of the business. So that cyclicality, I thought it was very helpful in mentioning now because it's helpful to understand how this business could do in different cycles of the economy. So when its economy is doing good for now, everything is going good, new sales vehicles are going good, um, used sales are doing good, uh, services are doing good because its um, company, uh, consumers have less incentive to stop renewing it because their disposable income is more. So right now everything is going good. Just a hint of caution about the about the times when they're bad and if the cycle goes down and the better the diverse and recurring part of the businesses grow over time, the better valuation I think um, camping world should get. And um, before we get into the valuation in this segment right now, let's quickly cover the competitive position and my thoughts on it. Now, if you followed Buffett or if you followed why some companies are valued more than others, um, a lot of times they talk about competitive mode on how strong the company's business model is and how easy it is to replicate it. Uh, if you give, for example, a competitor of the company $10 billion, would it be able to recreate the business? How difficult is it for this company to stand by itself and be unique in its business? So I'd like to discuss the competitive position of this business by the by the different segments of the company and what it does so for example i would say one part is the good sam club one part is selling rvs and one part is the outdoor retails the three um the three trees tool legs that we talked about so first of all let's start with selling rvs i don't really think this is a very strong mode to be honest because there are a bunch of dealers rv dealers way across like all across the country 
one of the ways that Camping World has grown over the years is by acquiring different dealers. So there are still a lot of mom and pop shops and other dealers that have been doing specifically RV for years and years and years, which are still a competition. And by no means Camping World is like a very unique provider of RV sales. Um, so it's it's not as strong a competitive model that I would like to see in selling RVs. But on the other side, if you see, um, it has a very strong relationship with Tor. Tor Industries is the primary and the biggest um, manufacturer of RVs in US. And basically 78% of the RVs that Camping World sells are made by Tor. And on the other hand, if you look at it, of all the units that Tor produces and sells, of all that revenue that Tor generates, about 20% of it is single-handedly bought. The inventory is bought by Camping World. So this is a very important relationship. And in the way that they have written their contracts and dealer agreements, Tor usually gives Camping World, Tor, which is the biggest producer of RVs, gives Camping World a geographical territory, which is kind of exclusive to the company, as in Tor will not be selling it directly to any other dealer in that area. What that means is every other dealer in that area who is selling a Tor product, for example, will have to buy it from Camping World. Um, so they have to add their own costs and basically all of the dealers would have a higher price than Camping World. So Camping World would have a unique identity in terms of lowest cost provider for selling Thor vehicles, unless, of course, other dealers cut their margins. So this is a pretty strong relationship, which is a really good thing about Moot in selling RVs. But then again, it also carries a single client risk. For example, if the relationships worsen between the two companies, what if Thor starts to give some other companies um, exclusive dealerships or just not provide them the best price. In that case, things could go bad. But for now, I'm saying the mode is not too strong, but favorable relationships make it a little bit better. Let's go to the Good Sam Club part of the business. Again, it only contributes really 5% to the revenues of the business, but I think this is actually the mode which is difficult to replicate, as in it has 1.8 million members. Now, think about overnight if a new company had a $10 billion in their pocket, would they be able to generate a 2 million membership overnight? Probably not, because money can't buy everything, or at least not on in very short period of time. Maybe if they said, like, I'm giving you $1,000 away to be a member, that's a different thing. But that would be crazy, though. But <laughs> that would be for 2 million members about um, $1,000 each. So that would be about $2,000 million, $2 billion. But Anyways, if what I'm trying to say is that 1.8 million members for this RV community is actually a strong position to be in, to have that membership, to be able to, for that 2 million members to have loyalty to the Good Sam brand and the Camping World brand so that they can buy products and services from this. So that is the strongest part of the business, which is not difficult, uh, not easy to replicate and difficult to replicate. Um, the outdoor retail business that they're trying to get into, I don't think retail is any exclusive a business that it was some 20 30 years ago after the invent and advent of online retail so um for example most outdoor retail things you don't need a specialty store necessarily you can buy it all from amazon you can order from other online retailers you can buy from walmart like you don't really have to have to have an outdoor realty uh, specialty retail store in your area if you want to do 
live that lifestyle. Now, of course, if you do want that experience of being in a store, I hope they do a good job at it. And I hope they combine all those outdoor services and camping services in one store, which makes it really unique a proposition than other stores. But I would like to see that first before judging and giving them um, a really good thumbs up on that. So that was my summary of their competitive position on that three legs of this tool. Um, let's summarize the business model with all things that we've talked about. In overall, as we said, the company, the business model is to provide every service that they can to an RV lifestyle user, um, including selling RVs, which is three-fourths of the business, one-fourth is pods and services. Now, the pods and services has much higher margin than the sales of RVs, especially the new RVs, but the retention rates on that could be higher. Um, the margin on that one-fourth is the highest, and it has grown well. The management has focused well on the highest growing margin businesses over the last some years, and as the industry is doing well over the last four years, not only their sales of new RVs are doing well, but also all other units are doing well. So that is what the company is doing. It has kind of good mode in its 2 million members, and it's been operating really well over the last four years, almost doubling the revenues and uh, improving the margins a lot, uh, especially the operating margins. So that was my summary of the business model. In And also, we talked about a little bit about the cyclical risk and why that would impact valuations, which is our next section in which we will talk about what is the company doing right now, how was the most recent quarter, what valuation creates at, and if you should buy it. Okay, so in this section, hopefully by now, you have a good idea about the business, what the company does, how it generates revenues, and how it's performing over the last four years. In this section now, we'll talk about the most recent quarter, which ended in 2018 March, and how it did in that quarter, and where does the valuation stand right now, versus the recommendation of buying it or not. So, now, if you look at the most recent quarter, um, they basically outperform the business and expectations of the analysts on a whole. The total revenue increased 20% to $1.1 billion. This is three months, so this should not be translated to like a run rate of $4.4 billion, which is like into four for a quarter because it's a cyclical, oh, also a seasonal business. So, but for this quarter, the revenue increased 20% to $1.1 billion. Um, recreational vehicles, the RV sales of the units of products sold grow, grew 21% to 24,000 units. Their same store sales grew 4% and their finance and insurance um, revenue as a percentage of the vehicles sold grew to 12.2%, which we already talked about. This all goes, things are really good um, on the sales front. Uh, but as we talked about finance and insurance being a greater part of the business, that also contributed to better margins. So gross par, uh, profit margin increased 13 basis points to 28.7%. Good Sam Club membership increased 1.835 members. Remember, this was 1.8 million in December 2017. So they're, again, not growing very fast, but barely um, growing, but growing. And then there were 42 new Gander Mountain locations opened, which is the outdoor realty store. Um, Sorry, specialty retail store. <laughs> I combine it the other way. Um, so this behind schedule, they were supposed to add more, but I think they're they're doing a focused and calibrated openings. So nothing to see basically here in this quarter, except that this has been just better performance than seen. Uh, one worry that the market has had in recent times, the investors have had, is because 
the company is trying to go into different areas. The, what market participants are saying is basically the biggest dealer in this industry, Camping World, is trying to move away from RV business. That might be a sign that the industry has stopped. Maybe the cycle has turned. Um, and what in the whole call, the point that Marcus wanted to make is it's still very, very close to all-time highs or making new all-time highs. And you shouldn't be really seeing too much. You shouldn't be reading the tea leaves of what this means to the industry. And the industry is doing really well. So the numbers go with that. The story go with that. But the investors still continue to be worried. And I guess that's why it presents as an opportunity on why the stock should be bought now. Because maybe the things are not as bad as it seems the public opinion of the RV industry is right now. But times like these when the sentiment about an industry or a company is bad, then what do you think it deserves to be? I mean, it might not be perfect, but it's not bad as you think the people think it is. That's a good time to get into the business and get um, started buying some shares. So this is why it's the right time to get into valuation. And I want to highlight the point how cheaply I think the company is trading now versus what it should be. So um, the stock right now is at $1.24 when I wrote this article on Seeking Alpha explaining this whole um, thesis. Uh, the stock is about 25% from the lows. So the stock was $20 some a couple or three weeks back. Now it's jumped to 24 or 25. So you can say it is 25% um, in just about a month or so. And that's a lot. But at the same time, the stock is about 50% from the highs. So the stock about six or eight months back was at in its mid 40s to late 40s about 48 dollars and now it's 24 so even after the 25 dollar rise from 19 dollars to 25 dollars it's still about halfway from what it was six months ago when the whole what he started about this whole business and where the cycle is going so that's what stock price is now when we value a company like what is actually worth and if it is cheap or expensive on a PE basis, which is a price to earnings basis on, um, or a EV to sales basis or whatever basis you value on, it's very important to understand, first of all, what are, is it that you're comparing to, right? So what are you comparing Camping World to? So I would say a big part of the business is a dealership business. So you can compare it to, for example, CarMax or Automation, which is respectively um, used car sales and new car sales and services and parts and repairs and finance plans and all those things. So you could compare to those, which is very close to the kind of service and business that um, Camping World offers. But then you might also say that Automation and CarMax deal with cars and Camping World deals with RVs. And you might also say that both of them, both of the segments of the industry are on a very different trend. So cars are have already reached their maximum saturity level. Like everyone who needs a car has a car and the industry is more about replenishing cars and has all the worries about autonomous in, um, driving of um, how connected the cars are getting and how electric cars are getting and um, a leeway and all those things versus an RV market, which is really way behind in sense of maturity and in sense of ownership and um, doesn't have as many headwinds in terms of autonomous electric because the people, it's still a very niche market where people are not, or 
companies itself are also not trying to get ahead of the curve and rather selling better products on existing platforms to existing and about to be customers. So in that plan, it makes sense to, in that sense, it makes sense to go and compare it to other RV players in the business. For example, Tor Industries, the producer of manufacturer of RVs, Winnebago, which is also another manufacturer, Forest River is also uh, really big, but it's a private business owned by Berkshire Hathaway, which is owned by Buffett, but that's a separate tangent. So in general, if you can compare it to CarMax or other nation, um, you might also say that that's cars and want to compare it to RV market. So you can compare its valuations to Thor and Winnebago because they're also very, very sensitive and actually the parameter of the RV market. And the third part, you can also say that, oh, okay, a part of the business of Camping World is also outdoor specialty retail. So we can compare it to Dick's Sporting Goods or Big Five Sporting Goods or Sports Authority. Not really, because Sports Authority went bankrupt, but hey. Um, but that's still a very part, small part of the business, outdoor reality. So in pure sense, it would be ideal to break down the different businesses by its size and compare it to individual players in respective markets and try to come up with a sum of the parts valuation. But I think the business model is really changing pretty quickly with the addition of retail. So what we will do now is compare the forward P's, um, the valuations of the P ratios of Camping World to all of the things that we talked about, all of the companies that we talked about, and see where it trades at relative to those companies. So if you have an access to my Seeking Alpha article, you can see the charts, very, very explained charts about their trends over the last year. And But if you don't have the access to that Seeking Alpha article, you can also leave a comment or ask me to provide you that charts. But I would summarize the charts for you here. So in this, we have three charts. First, we compare the valuation of um, Camping World to Tor and Winnebago, which are the RV producers. And we find that Camping World has a forward P right now of about 8.6, which is cheaper to both Thor and Winnebago, which are trade about 11 to 12 times forward earnings. Now, if you ask me, I would say Thor and Winnebago, the producers of the RVs are much more sensitive to the RV cycle of the business because if the cycle turns down, of course, the biggest thing that takes a hit is new vehicles. And Camping World, I would say, is a bit more insulated, not too much, but a little bit more than Thor and Winnebago because it also does used sales, plan services, financial insurance, and all those things. So I think Camping World should deserve a better valuation than the producers itself, um, given the outperformance in their operating earnings as well than expectations. But right now, Camping World is at 8.6 times forward earnings, Thor and Winnebago are at 11 to 12. So Camping World is the cheapest. Uh, if we compare it to auto dealers, um, AutoNation and CarMax, just to understand what kind of valuation this business model gets versus end markets. So AutoNation and CarMax both trade about 10 to 16 times forward earnings. They also have a lot of tipped, um, more than Camping World. Um, so not as clear balance sheets and still trading at 10 to 16 times forward. Now, compared to that, again, Camping World is about 8.6. So this is still the cheapest with better balance sheet than other car makers, sorry, other car dealers. And the last chart we compared um, Camping World Holdings to other two specialty good retailers. So Dick's Sporting Goods and Big Five. Again, this doesn't make a lot of sense because the retail part is very tiny right now. But even then, we see that Dick's and Big Five, they both trade at about 12 to 13 times for earnings. Camping World trades at 8.6. If we summarize all those three, basically, uh, again, I can provide you charts for the detail. But what I'm trying to say is Camping World is cheaper than any of the companies 
company leaders in all of the categories talked about. And it's pretty evident that Camping World was pretty overvalued um, about six, eight months back compared to all three. But then again, you might say it deserved to be a little bit premium over the other valuation uh, companies given a bit more diversity and um, cushion to cyclicality. But now it's after this 50% fall is cheaper than all those three. And there's another way I like to compare the valuation of the companies, which is adjusted. The forward be adjusted for the debt on the balance sheet and the growth rate. What I call it is EV2 forward EPS minus division yield. What it does is instead of price to earnings, which is just price, um, so that's a market cap based, versus EV um, takes into account the enterprise value. So that takes into account the net cash or debt on the balance sheet. So it's EV divided by the forward EPS, which is the next year's estimates of earnings minus the return yield, because that's the return that company's already paying me. So if I adjust for that, again, this is a chart that I prepared you. Uh, it's not really published anywhere on any other site other than my article, but I can provide that article and that chart if you request me in the comments. Um, if that if you see that chart again, it is pretty evident that Camping World Holdings is trading at 7.8 times forward EPS to sorry EV to forward EPS minus dividend yield, and that is the cheapest again of all the other things we're talking about. The second best in the whole chart is Thor Industries right now, which is trading at 98, which I think is pretty good stock in itself. You can think about investing in it as well. It's just that if I had to just pick one, I really don't want to go too deep into the RV space right now, so I want to pick one company. But if you were thinking of two, maybe Thor Industries is also a great pick right now. They both have growth rates of 10 to 15% projected over the next several years. Um, they both have forward Bs less than 10 balance sheet of Thor Industries is a bit is a bit better than Camping World Holdings and they both have about equal dividend yield of 1.4%. So those two companies are really good but focusing on Camping Worlds um, I think after the recent fall it is the cheapest of them. Actually Thor Industries has also gone through about a 50% fall or about 40% fall. So coming back I think Camping World, I like the business. I like how the rate they're growing at. I like that they're focusing on the more profitable parts of the business. And they're also the cheapest in every group. So before you go ahead and buy, which is my recommendation, I would like to ask one question. Is this the kind of business you want to be in? What I'm trying to say is, is this your kind of investment? Does this suit your preference of what businesses you would like to run? For example, some questions could be, uh, or some things to understand about Camping World could be, what I'm trying to do basically is dampen your expectations a bit. So um, you have to understand that investing in Camping World is a bit on the RV trend to continue or get better from here. You have to believe that RV trend is not on a peak right now. The market is not going to turn down right now or the economy or the RV lifestyle. I have no edge in predicting this. If you do, let me know. You have to also understand that it's a cyclical company, which doesn't have a lot of history about past cycle performances. So for example, I heard an interview of Marcus on YouTube saying that the company was barely surviving in 2008, 7 and 8 and 9 recession. So we don't know. We don't have the public statements, uh, financial statements of that time. but. What I'm trying to say is if and if a recession comes, this company might be hit really hard than many other companies in who have secular growth winds, growth tailwinds, and you might have to hold us for a long period of time or add more. And other thing to understand is even in best of the times, which is right now, 
the company is growing mid double digits per year, which is really good. But what I'm trying to say is it's not an exponentially growing business and it won't become a 10 bag 10 bagger anytime soon, which is like it won't grow in 10 times the value. Anytime soon, it's a stable growing business with planned, well planned, but about mid double mid double digit growth. And this is in the best of times. So in the worst of times, you have to be prepared to hold it for longer. In the best of times, it would still not be a 10-bagger. It's not an exponential growth stock. It still has all the risks related to the economic cycles, the inflation of um, raw materials, the recent tariffs also were a part in raw materials getting harder and expensive. It also deals with the risks related to weather, RV cycles, conflict with any manufacturers and bad acquisitions. But then all businesses have risk. So with all the good things about the investment, I also told you these things that you should consider as risks. And I will conclude the episode now in the following segment. So here's the conclusion. Again, many times um, the conclusion to my things could be surprising. I don't know. But this time I think it's pretty obvious. So there is no surprise. I've explained you the business. I think it's really doing really well, led by a really competent management team, focusing on the right areas of the business. The RV lifestyle trends is going really good. It's the cheapest uh, in the whole space compared to all the alternatives right now in the market in the RV space. And after the recent fall, I think it's a really good buy. It's to $24 right now. I think uh, I'm buying it from the medium term horizon. So I would like to believe in a year or so it would like to, um, if it gets a better multiple that it deserves it would go into the mid 30s that is where i would consider selling but i may consider holding on for a long time if their retail experience goes really good and they build a good margin business in retail so this is my recommendation to buy the stock at 24 right now and let me know everything that you believe about the company and especially about the podcast because i'm not recording with a really good equipment and um weird sound musics here and there my voice might, be, might not be perfect as because I'm recording from the phone and everything that you would like to say about the podcast, about this company, about this theme. And if you've invested in it, have you made money? Let me know and follow me on, uh, follow me on, where would you follow me? Where would you follow me? Uh, you can follow me anywhere. I'm everywhere. So you can follow me on Seeking Alpha. My name is Sunny Goklani there. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram again, S-U-N-N-Y-G-O-K-L-A-N-I. And of course, subscribe to this podcast if you can. See you and hope you make money. Bye. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? Send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.